0: she will give you some tips to make sure our podcast is rocking and rolling. Let's go, baby.
1: Hello, hello, everybody. This is Dr. Saad in a new episode from the Wonder Tooth podcast. Uh, Today, we are very lucky to uh, talk about uh, the relation between gum disease and the heart. Um, This is a big deal, and we are very pleased to have Dr. Nazir El-Mansouri He's a cardiologist in Brooksville, Florida, and he is one of the top cardiologists in Florida. Hi, how are you, Dr. Nasser? I'm
2: very good, thank you, and pleased to meet you. Thank you very much.
1: I appreciate you having, um, having you today with us, and uh, I would like you to talk a little bit about yourself.
2: It's my pleasure being here, and thank you for inviting me. Uh, my name is Nasser Mansouri, and I graduated from medical school in Egypt from in Shams University in 1980 and I finished my education in Egypt. Then I came here to the States and I finished my residency and two fellowships and I've been practicing in Brooksville, Florida since uh, August of 1993 and I'm a non invasive cardiologist performing wide range of uh, cardiac procedures and evaluating different forms of uh, uh, conditions and I'm specializing mostly in uh, coronary artery disease, congestive heart failure, cardiac arrhythmia, uh, peacemakers, defibrillators, uh, and many others.
1: That's wonderful. So what is non-invasive cardiology?
2: It is a general cardiologist, non-invasive cardiologist, a general cardiologist that deals mainly with the uh, all kinds of uh, cardiac diseases, their symptoms, diagnosis, treatment, but we don't do invasive procedures like I don't do heart catheterization. I do heart catheterization, but not as much as the interventionist. So the uh, non-invasive that doesn't usually do cardiac catheterization, doesn't do coronary stents or angioplasty, and uh, it's just mainly, mainly concentrating on diagnosis and treatment of heart disease and prevention.
1: That's incredible. So what are the symptoms of heart disease? Like if I'm walking down the street, how can I tell, like, okay, I have a heart problem, I need to be seen right away?
2: The first and the most common symptoms of heart disease are not too many. And the most cardinal symptom is dyspnea or shortness of breath. And shortness of breath means that you need to take, you need more air than what you usually need. So if you're used to walk two miles a day in 40 minutes, and then now you you walk only a mile and a half in 40 minutes, or you walk the same amount, two miles in more time, or you're getting short of breath and you have to stop earlier. Or unexplained fatigue for no reason. Or palpitations. If you have palpitations like regular fast, heartbeat several times a day, that's new to you. Uh, if you start having an un... Uh, uh, Non productive, sometimes productive cough. This is one of uh, again cardinal symptoms of heart disease. Uh, if you start developing, I didn't know that yes, really. Cough is a very common symptom of heart disease and edema or swelling of the legs.
1: Of the legs, that yes. yeah.
2: And cough and wheezing, and sometimes can be productive of sputum, uh, can happen from heart disease, especially heart failure. And now we have a problem, big problem with heart failure because we used to think. Heart failure is a disease of a weak heart muscle or bad valves.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
2: most heart failure patients do not have weak heart muscle or valve disease. And there are several reasons. But the most common now is what we call high, uh, heart, hyper, uh, uh, heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, meaning heart failure with a normal contractility of the heart muscle.
1: That's wow. Yes, and this is mo-
2: mainly problem with diastole, the relaxation of the heart. So the most common symptoms would be shorts of breath, chest discomfort, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, chest discomfort can be chest pain, chest pressure, tightness, squeezing sensation, mostly with, with exertion. Mm-hmm. If you get this with exertion, we think that you may have angina or coronary artery disease, obstruction of the coronaries. Mm-hmm. So this is the symptoms of, of coronary disease. Symptoms of heart failure is the shorts of breath, palpitations, weight gain, edema of the legs, PND means paroxysmal internal dyspnea that uh, in the middle of your sleep, after two, three hours, you wake up sitting by the side of the bed and coughing. Then you can't go back to sleep for at least two or three hours. You go out, sleep on a recliner, then you go back and sleep again on your bed. Or orthopnea, orthopnea that you cannot sleep on one or two pillows. You have to sleep on three or four pillows or sleep wow. in your recliner. Wow. So these are the major symptoms of heart disease. And for every disease entity, there are some symptoms, but heart failure can have symptoms of everything.
1: And what's usually like the age? Like does it come to younger age or older age? Uh,
2: Symptoms of heart disease, uh, especially heart failure or coronary heart disease like angina, happens usually in the fifth or sixth uh, 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 decades of life, like in their 50s or 60s, and that depends on the risk factors that you have. Mm-hmm. In the uh, underdeveloped countries, you can have valvular heart disease, in young females, if they have rheumatic heart disease, in their 20s or 30s. But here in the United States, we don't have much of rheumatic heart disease. We have more of ischemic heart disease because people tend to live longer. Mm-hmm. They tend to live longer because we have a good grip on treating hypertension and preventing strokes and, and heart attacks. We we know much more than what we knew six years ago. Mm-hmm. So the incidence of heart disease happen a little late now in life, in the late 50s or 60s or 70s. And that depends also on the risk factor.
1: And does it come more to women versus men?
2: Equal. equal. Uh, heart disease is equal between men and women, and it causes, is the first uh, reason for uh, demise or death in men and women. It's equal in both of them. But for some reason, uh, women, especially black, overweight women, share, uh, fear the worst for mm-hmm. having heart disease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So men and women develop heart disease at the same incidence. What, what made us... Not think of this was the Framingham study. That's the longest study that started in 1948. It was unfortunately done only on men. It was not oh, done in men and women. Okay. So they thought that coronary disease or heart disease in general is just a disease of men and that's wrong.
1: Okay. And how often should like a normal person get checked?
2: Very good. The first check you should have usually uh, we recommend at age 20 that uh, with or without cardiac uh, family of heart disease. At age 20 you should have with your family doctor, a general physical exam, and blood tests to screen for heart disease. And these blood tests should contain lipid profile, mm-hmm. mainly lipid profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, if you have a family history of, let's say cardiomyopathy, some forms of cardiomyopathy. Or high then, cholesterol. Or, or high cholesterol, then you should have more attention. And for every, let's say for high cholesterol, we have a framework that we go by we tell you when do you need treatment or you not. We have like a calculation of risk. Mm-hmm. And that will tell us when we start treatment. But there are some exceptions. Mm-hmm. Like you can see a 20-year-old has no family history of heart disease, runs three, four miles a day. But their cholesterol is 350 and their LDL is above 190. Mm-hmm. You don't treat those with, with just exercise and diet. You have to start medicine. You have
1: to give them medicine. Yes.
2: Wow. Yes. So, yeah. yes, the screening started. Each 20 usually, especially Mm -hmm. for lipid panel, if you have family history of heart disease, especially cardiomyopathies, you start at any time. Mm -hmm. Like if the father has hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, then the kids should have it. But it will not usually appear till the child is like 8 or 10 years of age. So at that time, you do, let's say, an ultrasound. And then if the kid is older, a little older, than like 15 or 16, you do the ultrasound do a treadmill test. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the kind of disease the family has. But for general prevention, the most important thing is check their sugar and their lipid panel, their chemistry, their kidney functions, their liver functions, at least the first time at age 20.
1: And how often they should do that?
2: Okay, with the regular follow-up. For someone who doesn't have disease, you will have the labs every year with his or her family doctor. Okay. If they have uh, something, then it depends on what they have that will decide on the frequency.
1: Sounds very good. So, actually, I'm very interested to hear your um, response to patients who have gum disease and heart disease and they don't really see the correlation.
2: Okay. First of all, we found this association between gum disease, chronic gum disease, chronic infections, and Coronary artery disease to the point that we thought that some of the coronary plaques, some of the studies showed that some of the coronary plaques contain the same kind of bacteria that we have in the gums disease. So they did this study and they treated a lot of the species with antibiotics, but they did not find really a good amount of prevention. They could not really, those people who could not prevent coronary disease in them. So the association between the bacteria they have in the gums and in the coronary plaques. Did not amount to uh, benefit in treating those people. Mm-hmm. Those people, but it gives us an idea that people who have gum disease are more prone to have more severe chronic disease and more premature chronic disease than usual. Uh, usual patients of, uh, that don't have these entities, mm-hmm. because the major risk factor factors for coronary artery disease are four major risk factors that are modifiable and two that are not modifiable. The four that are modifiable: number one is abnormal cholesterol, not necessarily just high cholesterol. Number two, diabetes. Number three, hypertension. Number four, cigarette smoking. Mm-hmm. The two that are not, cannot uh, modify, is gender and age. These are the major risk factors. Minor risk factors are numerous, and most people don't know that. Uh, obesity is a minor risk factor. It's not a really? major. Really? Yes, even. Wow. Ma- uh, even severe obesity or severe central obesity, or what we call uh, advanced obesity. Uh, having um, like gout is a risk factor. Living in an area that has hard water, if you drink hard really? water, is a minor risk factor. Yes. Psoriasis is a minor risk factor. So, uh, sleep apnea is a minor risk factor, and it should be a major risk factor, but till now, according to the guidelines
1: mm-hmm.
2: it is not a major risk factor it is still minor risk factor.
1: that's but- very interesting because i'll tell you from my perspective as a dentist so usually when we have a patient for the first time we check you know for like few things one of them is um, we check like extra oral exam we check the intraoral we do oral cancer screening then i'll check the gums and the patients they don't really understand i'm here just for a cleaning no it's a little it's a more comprehensive exam so then we start to have a little tiny, it looks like a tiny ruler. And then we start to check the gums. There are some measurements. And then they're like, what are these measurements? I don't understand. Like one, two, three, three, four, five, five, six, seven. So basically, those numbers, and I want everybody now to understand these numbers are the numbers that basically the distance from the top of your gum to the top of your bone level. And the normal levels are one, two, three. If if it starts to get to four or five or six, it means that the bone is actually starting to shrink down. It means that we have something called a pocket. And the pocket, this is where the really bad bacteria, they start to live in there. I tell the patients, in the mouth, there are like, in your saliva, there is like millions of bacteria. They live in harmony. A lot of them, yes, they can cause, you know, cavities. They can cause like um, gingivitis, which is reversible gum problem. You know, when your gums are a little bit puffy but if you start to see the buildup and then you start to feel that your gums every time you're brushing you start to bleed that's a sign of infection if you start to feel like pain in your gums or food is starting to get stuck really deep and it's starting to hurt you these are signs of gum there is something going on in the gums but the big one really is the bleeding and if you have a bad breath and i have patients like i'm brushing my teeth i don't know what's going on well sometimes it's because you have some pockets what are the pockets? So the pocket is basically like, it's literally separation that happens in the periodontal ligament. So the root is attached to the bone. It's not fused to the bone. The root is fused to the bone, by a little tiny ligament, periodontal ligament. Now, if the bacteria start to invade that little ligament, it starts to kind of eat it a little bit, then we have a little separation. And this is called the pocket. The normal type of bacteria that live in the mouth, they live in the air and they're called aerobes. Then the one that live down deep, oh, they love that. They go and they eat the ligament, then the really bad bacteria that start to happen, which are called the anaerobes. They don't live in the air and they're very aggressive. These are the most aggressive types of bacteria. So how I tell the patients, you know, if you like to go swimming, the nice fish on the top of the water, they're beautiful, they're gorgeous, they're colorful. Then if you go in the deep water, this is when you start to see the really aggressive big fish. And these are the really bac- the bacteria that we don't want. The ones that live in the deep pockets, these are the ones that we don't want. Now, these are linked directly. Like, there is a strong correlation between those type of bacteria and heart problems. And this is why we have Dr. Al-Mansouri today to discuss that with us. Because a lot of patients are like, I'm okay, I don't think I need a deep cleaning. No, you do. So what's the difference between a regular cleaning and a deep cleaning? Regular cleaning is when you have those little measurements we talked about, one, two, three, that's okay. Sometimes four if the gum is a little bit inflamed. But if we start to check and it's deep, like five, six, and then you can, we can see it on the x-ray. Sometimes, you know, we show you like, okay, do you see where the bone level is? This is where it's supposed to be. Or when we start to see a lot of tiny little particles literally attached to the root of your teeth, These are buildups and these are stuck to the teeth and we have to remove them, we can't leave them there. And these are made out of plaque and it sits there and then food debris and it sits there and it starts to accumulate. Then the bacteria, they love that it's a rough surface. This is the best thing you're giving them really. And then they start to have a party. They come and sit on that little particles and it's called calculus and they start to eat and they start to produce acid and enzymes. And then there you go. The ligaments start to disintegrate. And they start to go even deeper and deeper and deeper. And then we have gum disease. So really, what we, how do we treat gum disease? We're not going to be able to eradicate the pockets totally. But we need to maintain things. We need to get rid of the bacteria, the bad bacteria that live deep down. So we need to numb you to do that. We need to go and scrape those bacteria and the plaque and the calculus off of the surface of the root in hope that the ligament is gonna basically reattach or at least close a little bit that area. This is a procedure, it's called deep cleaning or scaling and root planning. And it has to be done when you are um, diagnosed with gum disease. Then after that, we, you just don't go, go disappear and then come back in two years and say, oh, my teeth are loose. Well, you know what, you have gum disease. So you have to come literally every three months until we make sure that the gums are not getting worse. It's called periodontal maintenance. We have to maintain the level of the gum and the bone at the same level and to make sure there is no more bacteria deep down. The normal bacteria that live in, in the saliva is okay, but the deeper ones are not okay. Now, Dr. Elmansuri, would you talk to me about um, why we, do we do um, premedication for certain procedures, especially if we are doing a deep cleaning? Like some cases, we need to numb the patients and the patients, they ask, why do I have to be pre-medicated? Very
2: well. Uh, generally speaking, uh, if, if those anaerobic bacteria that Dr. have talked about, the, the, the ones that don't like the air, the ones that live in cavities, if they get in touch and they will during the deep cleaning get in touch with the bloodstream, a lot or certain patients will have certain valve disease, diseases that uh, will be amenable to attract those bacteria to be attached to the valves and then attack the valves, attack the substructures of the valve, go at the annulus, mainly the annulus, that's the ring that surrounds the valve and causes infection, very similar to the infection you get in the teeth. And this infection is an indolent infection that takes weeks before you can see it because the anaerobic bacteria, the way they secrete their enzymes and cytokines and certain inflammatory markers, they take time and then they form the inflammation and the abscess, and then you get valve malfunction, and then the problem is that when the valve malfunctions, it creates something called regurgitation or leakage of the valve. Sometimes the infection is so bad that it can get to do perforation of the valve leaflets, or perforation of the annulus or especially like the aortic valve, it can go around the, the aortic valve and cause valve uh, root abscess. And this root abscess is, is really serious condition because it's very close to the, out, uh, to the origins of the coronary arteries and can cause uh, some form of rare coronary artery disease. When you get inflammation close to the origin of the coronary artery, you will have symptoms of angina, but it's not true angina because it's not because of plaque. Uh, or the ordinary plague that we form the coronary artery. So, really, endocarditis is a terrible disease, uh, especially when it is acute. But what we're talking about here is the chronic endocarditis that can go, do, do a lot of harm, mostly to patients who have underlying valve heart disease, like aortic valve, advanced mitral valve prolapse, or rheumatic heart disease. And that was used to be the most common reason for valve disease and or any patient that has a, a tissue or mechanical valve procedures.
1: So you agree with me that prevention is better than extremely, actual treatment, right?
2: Extremely better because it prevents disasters. Because uh, endocarditis, the rate of death from endocarditis in the average for chronic endocarditis, 30% death rate. That's, that's a lot. For acute endocarditis, more than 50% death rate. So as we're talking about death, not just disability or discomfort.
1: Yeah, and not just, okay, let's get some cleaning done.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And uh, deep cleaning is really, cleaning in general, seeing your dentist is extremely important for healthy people and for patients that have heart disease.
1: Yeah. It's definitely, prevention is definitely Absolutely. one of the main key factors. And this is why we are having this episode today, because we want to talk about prevention, like for heart disease in general. What, like a, a normal person walking down in the street, what should they do to make sure, okay, I don't want to have a heart disease, I'm young?
2: Very good. If the, let's say the patient is 40 years old, man, has no past medical history, himself, or uh, doesn't have family history of heart disease and just wanted to know what's his chances. So he goes to his primary care physician who refers him to the cardiologist. What I do, I ask the patients very usual questions about uh, uh, do you exercise or not. Do you have any bad habits? And the worst bad habit introduced to, by man is smoking, mm-hmm. because smoking is really terrible. Next to it is vaping that we see, mm-hmm. and it's a problem, big problem now that affects the heart and affects the general body in many ways. And then alcohol. And mm-hmm. Whoever will tell you that alcohol is good, especially red wine, is wrong, 100% wrong. Alcohol is a toxin in any amount. Generally, so that 40-year-old man comes to your office, ask him questions, have you ever had any uh, heart conditions? Have you ever had high blood pressure? Ask about diabetes, hyperlipidemia, or cholesterol. And then you ask about uh, uh, sleep apnea, depression. Depression is very important because major depression can cause heart disease. Uh, uh, so sleep conditions.
1: apnea is also related to heart disease? Yes,
2: it causes major heart disease, and the most major ones you see someone, let's say someone who's 55-year-old, a little overweight, and uh, just works as a office work and doesn't have anything. Then starts having a little bit of high blood pressure and tell you I'm tired for no reason. I snore when I sleep. I choke when I sleep. I wake up myself choking. I wake up with a headache, dry mouth, a uh, little bit of fatigue. I want to go back to sleep again, even if after, after sleeping 8 or 10 hours. That's sleep after. Ap- what sleep apnea could cause to this person is difficult to control hypertension, atrial fibrillation, heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, congestive heart failure with or without con- uh, 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 preserved ejection fraction, and coronary arteries can cause heart attacks. Mm-hmm. So, and this is a very common question we see in the board exams. That uh, and and the treatment is very simple. You just evaluate the patient, do sleep study, either a home sleep study or off sleep study, and put them on mask, and the best treatment is not really the CPAP mask, Is weight loss on the mm-hmm. average of 15%. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So. And it's so funny, because, well it's not really funny, but it's part of our exam here at Dom Blanche that we check for possible sleep apnea. We cannot diagnose sleep apnea, but we can see actual features on the teeth and in the mouth and the face, and the questions. So basically when we do the exam, I start to check and I'm like, I think you're grinding your teeth. Your teeth are a little too flat. And they're like, "Uh, I don't think I'm grinding. Then I start to check the Mm -hmm. intraoral tissues. And then the big one really is, you know, when you stick your tongue out, there is the hard top on top of your tongue is called the hard palate. But all the way in the back, if you stick your tongue out and you look in the mirror and you say, ah, and you stick your tongue really out, you should see a little bit of dangling thing. It's called the uvula. This is called the soft palate. So if you do that, you should start to see a little bit from the back of your throat. If you don't see that, if you see a little tiny less, it's a class. We have a specific classification for that. So there is a class one. Class two, you still see a little bit, but it's not as much of your throat. Then class three, this is when, okay, I started to see like really nothing. Therefore, it's like closed. And when I do that and I'm like, wait a minute. Do you have, uh, like, any heart problems? Do you have, uh, yeah, I have high blood pressure. Okay. Do you have a little bit of, like, sometimes uh, acid reflux? Yeah, I do have acid reflux. Then I see somebody who's a little bit overweight. The jaw muscles are super big and strong, which are basically, it's called the masseter. Like, if you basically hold your jaw, th- those are the masseter. And you clench, you're going to find, like, really something very big. And they're a little bit overweight and this is when i start to say i think you should go get a sleep study they look at me like i have three heads no 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 i really mean it <laughs> i mean it they think i'm an alien and i'm like i think you should get a sleep study done i cannot diagnose you for a sleep you know for sleep apnea but i can see something and i think that's why you are grinding your teeth and they're like why do you say that you know what if i see that your throat is almost closed your body you're trying to breathe now so you're sleeping so your body what you do you literally clench your teeth and you slide you slide your lower jaw forward to try to open the airway in the back you have an airway obstruction and they're like what yes and that's why this is really the main reason why you are grinding your teeth of course there are other reasons you know to grind your teeth if stressed or other stuff but this is one of the big criteria of For me to say okay i think we have something going on in like an airway obstruction so this is another one too guys thank you very much dr massuri actually for telling you know talking about sleep apnea my pleasure and that it can cause so many like disastrous things to your body like in general at your heart absolutely and this is you know the silent killer a lot of people like you know they sleep they don't wake up exactly correct yeah so I guess the prevention now for in general, for heart disease. Yes. Like
2: you said when we see someone, that 40 years old man, if we, we see if he's overweight or not and we see if he' overweight, we calculate the BMI, body mass index, what it is. So we try to calculate to see what kind of risk factors or what kind of uh, conditions that can predispose to heart disease. If the patient has no symptoms at all, just wanted to make sure he is good, we always recommend to do a simple treadmill stress test, even if they have no symptoms. Let's say that it says, uh, when we see this a lot, that healthy people want to start a gym. New year, they gained five or ten pounds during Christmas, or, and they wanted to start uh, go to the gymnasium. So I said, okay, the best idea, even if you don't have any risk factors, let's see how much you can do. And that stress test, we pick a lot of uh, silent heart disease just from doing a stress test, simple. Uh, treadmill stress test, and we see accordingly we have a a chart that tells us if this gentleman has good exercise, fair or so superior. And then, according to the test, if he's good, then fine, we tell him you're good. You need, and if your cholesterol is good, you don't have any problems with the labs, then you, you should need, you don't need any more treadmill stress test unless you have symptoms. And then, uh, you need to repeat your blood work every year mm-hmm. if the blood work is abnormal. And they need, uh, let's say, they needed a cholesterol medicine. Then we'll do give we put them the cholesterol medicine, and we repeat the blood test again after three months. If they need blood pressure treatment, it depends on the degree of their high blood pressure, and we tell them uh, either lose weight, uh, use no salt diet, and all of that. And then if they don't get better in six months, then we will put them a pharmacological therapy. So in general, for someone who has no symptoms, one time they do a treadmill stress test to look at their labs and from there we kick over. We, we tell them what else they should
1: do mm-hmm. that's excellent and from a dentist point of view if you go to your dentist they do that you know they check your gums or the hygienist they check your gums and they tell you you have gum disease they did the measure they have to do the measure they cannot just look and say oh yeah you have gum disease no they have to do the measurements now you understand they do that little tiny pokey thing looks like a tiny little ruler and they check your gums in you know certain points around you know each tooth and if they tell you you have gum disease and you they look at the x-rays they can identify that if you have gum disease periodontal disease then you do need some deep cleaning please get it done because you don't want to wait until then we have a bigger problem and heart problem and a lot of systemic problems exactly. this is one and sleep apnea if if you Whatever we just said now, if you think this is you, it's always good to have prevention. Go to talk to your medical doctor, talk to your family doctor, talk to your dentist. Let them know what's going on, and especially if you are snoring at night, if you're grinding your teeth, if you are a little bit overweight, hypertensive, these are all signs of something is not okay. You need to get that checked. The best key is really prevention, and this is really our the goal of this podcast I want you guys please take care of yourself this is self-care this is still self-care right Dr. Mansuri?
2: absolutely Al-Mansouri? correct You're, you, you 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 got it really really right and uh, th- this conversation is just fantastic one and I learned it from you today and I, I learned really a thank lot you from for you. inviting yeah. me no really thank you so much thank you Do you have any other questions
1: Uh, I think that's it. Maybe we'll uh, tell our uh, listeners, you know, if they have any questions, maybe we should have another podcast with you, another episode. That would be lovely. And I would like to thank you very much, Dr. El-Mansouri, for um, a very nice uh, discussion. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you take care of your teeth, they will take care of you. Keep smiling with Dr. Saad. Thank Thank you very very much.
2: much. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure and an honor. Thank you very much.
1: And uh, we'll see you guys soon next week. Have a good one, everybody.
0: Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our weekly podcast. This show wouldn't really be possible without you. If you are a fan of the show, please leave us a comment on Instagram at Rod Wasad underscore DMD. The link is in the show notes. Until our next episode, remember, if you take care of your teeth, your teeth will take care of you. Keep smiling with Dr. Saad.